Soylent, made by people, from people. <laughs> Please sponsor us. Welcome back to the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. And today we're talking about the perfection. Nobody's nerfect, and neither um, is this fucking movie. <laughs> everybody in this film is crazy, and the craziest thing about this film is every fucking one of you that's been telling us that it's great because it's not. People have been telling you it's good. Oh my god, I've heard so nothing many but about this thing. That's the reason I was so amped to watch it like soon. And and you know with certainty that they watched it. Yeah, that's upsetting. I, ju- I just put in my Instagram story. I can't we believe saw. I wasted my time watching this. I've had three messages in the last ten minutes since I posted that, saying, "Oh my god, but I loved it." And I'm like, "Why? Why do you feel to be wrong?" No, I'm joking for the people that. that <laughs> sure. <thing>. Okay. Because <laughs> I love them dearly. Uh, we don't fuck them. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so from from the get-go, I was so excited about this, because, like, looking at, from a production standpoint, having an actor that was in Get Out, she was excellent there, and just, the, I don't know if that is relative to the, the sort of film that she's in, but, like, the performance that she gave in this one was a little lackluster, I had a problem with that. The director I was excited for has directed an episode of the new Twilight Zone series, and then just whiffed on this one. And I just, like, Miramax, the the production company, yeah. produced this movie. Also was a co-producer on 2018's Halloween. Which we enjoyed. Yeah. And so, like, I going in, I was like, okay. And even Anthony said when the Miramax logo came up, he was like, I haven't seen that in a while. And I went, yeah. And I, I got excited. And then I enjoyed about... Probably the first 10 minutes of the movie I was saying before, and then it just dropped off for me. The first 10 minutes. So like like you just mentioned, Doza, about the performances, everybody gives this really bizarre performance. I thought that like like every line was delivered very dryly, and I thought that was for a reason. And it created this very surreal atmosphere in the first 10 minutes. And then as the film goes on, you realize okay, this isn't about atmosphere anymore. This film is not as bizarre as its opening 10 minutes have led me to believe. And then it it drops off from being this almost like, I don't know, Ari Aster-esque bizarre psychological horror into just every other psychological horror that we've come to know so far. I think the only saving grace for this film is the cinematography. I think every shot that I've seen in this film is like, it can be a standalone image, and I appreciate that. Apart from where any CGI is used or any effects at all. Yeah, I mean, they, you got the money for it. Like, Netflix original, this cool. is one of those that I'm sure they were just like, they put a stamp on it and they shipped it out. I, I, I couldn't believe the the names that they were pulling. That was their... Uh, effects budget that that's where that money went and i was like anytime anything that was like that that was cg it took me completely out of the moment and it just like it ruined because the cg is like pivotal to some of the most 
like yeah. I- important parts of the movie. So some of the biggest reveals. We'll call them reveals for now. Oh yeah, I'm I'm doing <laughs> air quotes around everything uh, again. I'll just I'll scratch into the mic so that way <laughs> people can hear it at home. I get what you're saying. There were there were a lot of very beautiful shots. Like anything, anytime that they were in the chapel, the chapel was was very nice. Uh, the set design was was beautiful there. It looked like a shot out of um, Kingsman. Yes, it's like a very very classy and a, in a direct contrast to like what the the creepy cult mentality that's going on in the background. But then there's like a lot of like super weird shots where. The flashback is weird. Oh, uh, no. I, I, was, I was trying to trying to hold off on that. No, not that. Like, the flashback at the end where she's, like, running through the field. Oh, Like, yeah. those don't oh. carry that same aesthetic. And there and was, um... I think you might be right. I think it may just be the chapel scenes that are that, like, shining moment of cinematography. Because That's anything... That's the only time that I noticed China, it when you said that. Um, yeah. Was not anything overwhelmingly aesthetically beautiful the opening 10 minutes were very pretty i I, they don't carry the same quality as the chapel sequences but it's still pretty so it's just kind of like a roller coaster of like i'm gonna call it chapter one because they've labeled this fucking film in chapters uh which i think is so tacky I blame Mandy for that, though. Mandy definitely ruined that aesthetic for me. And that's, again... Mandy ruined cinema slightly. <laughs> but chapter one was very much along those lines. And then it just drops in chapter two, picks up in chapter three, drops in chapter four, but picks up partway through the end of chapter four. Well, I was saying before that like it, like, it feels like they got a, a different team like at some point in the movie, like they were like they had a one idea of what this movie was and they were working on it and it was going really well. And then everybody got fired or died or something. <laughs> and then they brought in a whole new team because it was like I'm watching a different movie. And like the. Yeah, we went from an art house drama to a travel horror like hostel into a cult mentality, into a revenge story, into, you know. I spit on your grave with less purpose. It's like <laughs> Black Swan without the nuance and everything <laughs> is very explicit. And like, oh, I don't know. Like if we're ready to talk about explicit, we can talk about how much this movie talks down to its audience. Well, well, well we can start with that because like it, it opens up with, with chapters and that is it. A storytelling element that I don't think I, I've ever enjoyed outside of like a comedy. Like if you have a title card and it says something and it is for comedic effect, I love it there. But this was just exposition done in one word in a way that pulls you out of the movie going experience. And it's like, here's what you're in for. And I feel like it would just have much more impact if they let us experience it in full i guess the only time i've seen that where it works is in a film that has a five-act structure and this film is an hour and a half and does not have a five-act structure yeah something, it's, like it's kill bill, something like kill bill can get away with stuff like that mm-hmm. because yes. it's broken down into categories that actually make sense whereas this there was there was no nothing that like needed an explanation of a new chapter and the titles weren't 
even relevant sometimes. I mean, especially the last one, the duet. Like, I don't know. Just... It was relevant for the sake of that one. Yeah. Yeah. And it was... I'm still trying to wrap my head around this because we've literally just watched this. Yeah, not even 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just so condescending. And, like, I can, I can get away... I know that a lot of movies now feel the need to talk down to their audiences. Um, Hereditary <laughs> did it, and I still love Hereditary, but they completely condescended the whole... Well, at least they end. waited till the end. Uh, yeah, yeah, and just did it for um, one moment. And us, to a certain extent, completely talked down to its audience in certain parts, but I, I sort of understood that because the majority of people that watched us afterwards were still confused, and it was like, probably shouldn't still be confused you got talked down to of what was going on <laughs> which you should have figured out really quickly but this it was it felt the need about 20 minutes in to be like oh just in case you missed every single really huge hint that we've already thrown at you let's literally rewind and show you the whole thing again but the things you might have missed that were going on in the background and it did that twice yeah and the second time it did it, all of us went, are you, are you kidding me? Like, I had offhandedly and jokingly said, like, hey, what are the chances that we're going to get another rewind? And then, like, a moment later, they were like, hey, we're backing up a second just for you playing along at home. And it just, like, <laughs> it made me, it, like, viscerally it's, ill. It's tacky. It's condescending. Uh, doesn't fit anything that we've come to know for the tone of the film throughout it. And if you're trying to build tone and suspense, that's a really good way to ruin that. And especially because, like, it was, ex like, not necessarily very, but it was pretty explicit up until that point where... For the first rewind? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, like, I, I even, like, I got up at one point because I was like, ah, I gotta pee real quick. And so, offhandedly, I, I said, hey, okay, so it's... She's very clearly... Um, Charlotte is very clearly poisoning uh, Lizzie with her mom's medication from when she was ill and she's doing it and blah, 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 not to go too, too far into it. So like that's that's the way that the movie read for just me who was watching the movie. And I thought that that was good enough. But then they went back and they said, hey, Charlotte is poisoning Lizzie with the medication from her sick mom. And like it just we went, yeah. We, we we saw the movie. We don't need to see the movie again. And they just like peppered it in with a couple extra scenes of her just explicit <laughs> close-ups of the bottle, of the warning label, of a flashback that we didn't need. Like I this mean, could just before it it rewound the first time. Hugh even said like, "Wow, where did she get that cleaver from?" And I was like, "Well, it's obvious the whole time that this has been going on, and now she wants her to do this because that was the whole point. It's the whole thing." And, and the then movie it rewound said, and told us that. And it was like, all of us knew that. Like, not everything, like, need, needed to be a big reveal. And they were playing it off. Like, it was, like, a, as if, like, it was a huge twist. Like, it wasn't, like, a Kaiser Sose sort of moment. It was just, like, for if in case you were looking at your phone. Like, they were banking on people not paying attention to this movie to the point where they can just, like, hey, we'll give you a little recap real quick. And then we can get on with it. There was absolutely no twists, though. Like, no. It, 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 if you thought that any of that was a twist, then you haven't watched a movie before. 
Like, <laughs> it, it every single hint and sign and obvious plot device was put there for you to be able to understand every single tiny twist scratch the microphone um <laughs> that was in there and it, it was just so unnecessary i there was nothing in that film that surprised me apart from the terrible acting skills and the <laughs> terrible effects those were the two things that really shocked me I was just shocked that they would make those choices. Like, there's nobody in this film that has enraged me more than the fucking editor. <laughs> because it's the editor who we have to blame for the, you know, freebie special effects pack that comes with After Effects used throughout. <laughs> Blood, bugs, and more. Wait, did they even... Did like it... a Snapchat filter. <laughs> <laughs> when they were doing the rewind, were were there like scrabble sounds too? Yes. Oh my god. There was like yeah, the record scratch. So you have that thrown in there. There's just this one scene where there's like the equivalent of a static big red title card thrown in there because we're going into a very surprisingly red chapter, I guess. I don't know. The editor made the worst choices. Granted, I'm sure they were advised probably by the director so i don't know who's at fault more here but the editing really really wrecked this movie um we got uh, to the point with the first rewind and we're like well here's a good way to ruin something good in five minutes uh, it, that's exactly what it did the film was ruined from then on there was nothing keeping us engaged in the story that was unfolding for the previous chapter and a half if this film had been recut and some of the choices made in editing were removed, there's definitely a way to salvage this film at about an hour and 10 minutes and leave it where you can have the audience guessing certain things. Oh, absolutely. And it just, it, it pains me to say, I, not to say that it's like a simple fix, but it seems like you could just tweak a couple of things and you'd have something much more solid. Yeah. And the, the movie that they were establishing at, at the beginning, which like Anthony, you mentioned, uh, I think would have been predictable, but I think I would have preferred it. Like if it was a revenge, revenge story. So, uh, it, it starts with, uh, two, two very talented cellists. Also it's of course, like any sort of like prestigious musician, plays a string instrument and me as like a classically trained horn player was like, you, th you think you're better than me. You think you're fucking better than me. <laughs> uh, so they're the two uh, very talented cellists. And like one is the, the new girl who has reached critical acclaim. The other is a girl who had to drop out of the prestigious school because she had to take care of her, her ill mother a revenge story born out of that sort of jealousy where she is poisoning her tricks her into thinking she's going insane. And that she has bugs crawling in her makes her cut off her hand. So she can't play the cello anymore. And then it flips to Lizzie's story where we think like, okay, like there, there's like a literal visual flip. Yeah. It, oh yeah. I <laughs> forgot a, about that. The, the hallway scene, they're showing Lizzie walking through the hallway after she's getting kicked out of the school and she, punches charlotte's picture on the wall and then the camera does a 360 degree flip to show lizzie's mental state 
flipping, and I thought that was a little unnecessary. Very unnecessary. And it completely demeans anything that the actor put into the performance. Exactly. It's at that point, it's it's not on her anymore. No. It's like, oh, we'll we'll take care of it in post. But it's just like and, another one of those moments where it was like, yeah, I, I fucking get it. And so I was like, okay, I'm ready for this sort of martyr style revenge thriller where it's like i'm ready to follow lizzie's story i'm on her side and then it just like it went a little bit further and then suddenly even after all that shit all of a sudden charlotte is is the hero of the story and she's been acting out of the best interest of the girls that are going through this school and i went okay fine i'll i'll go with that and then it goes a step further and it's like to the surprise of no one, the old white guys are the villains in this fucking movie. And it just, like, it went into culty stuff, and it just, like, it was, like, hat on a hat on a hat. And instead of giving us one strong cult horror movie or one strong revenge horror movie, we got one mediocre mixture of the both. They threw tropes at us until we, oh, we were fed up. Exactly <laughs> it tropes and dialogue that was just like verbatim cherry picked from other films that had these ideas like uh what's the the, the ellen page one um where hard candy hard, hard candy, candy. that the the ending was very very hard candy yes. but it's like i've seen hard candy and it was it was good and then they just did hard candy again but worse with <laughs> bad bad cg with uh, a dismembered uh hand the the the, oh, yeah, the at, tempered hand. at the end and then adidas or what is his name and antoine antoine it's a fucking nightmare i like we just watched this movie and it left such little impact on i'm getting heated <laughs> such little I was impact playing solitaire on my phone for the last 20 minutes of it <laughs> i couldn't i was just like i don't don't care what happens it just felt like watching someone going through their adolescence. Like, it's exactly the same thing as when I watched Mandy, where they have no idea who they are and they're trying to pick different things that they think look cool out of lots of different genres and different backgrounds. But at the end of the day, you're just like, you're an insecure kid who has no idea who they are or have any substance. You just want to look cool. Yeah, and you're... Throwing stuff exactly. at the wall, seeing what sticks, and yeah, it just uh, oh the soundtrack. <laughs> oh my god! Which... Hmm? which one are you going off on the soundtrack? For? Perfection, yeah. Well, let's go for for like perfection at the moment, um, because we're not getting into Mandy yet. That that's coming. <laughs> it's gonna be the biggest shitstorm of this podcast. But um, no, with the perfection, it the soundtrack didn't annoy me until. The last like twenty last minutes. Chapter. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, like it, it went to a normal song that I would expect from that soundtrack, and I was like, oh, this is so like cliche for that song to be playing in this moment. But then it switched to a completely different soundtrack from a completely different movie somewhere. I don't know where Something they picked that. that does not match the tone of anything no. we've been set up for. Yeah. And, it was so cringeworthy. Was... It ends on uh, on pedals by uh, Courtney Love, and, and it's, it's just been like... playing like back and Beethoven the whole way through, and it 
hip hop and Courtney Love for the last chapter. It's so- I was all about the score up until the like last chapter, I guess, because yeah. it's aggressively stringy. And, yeah. like, for a film that's about two cellists to create this dynamic tension through the score, because um, the score was the only thing left to save us with any kind of tension, <laughs> it was uh, it did a really good job of that. It was almost all strings through and through until the last chapter, which also throws in a weird 80s synth vibe before any of this. And, like, for a second, you're like, okay, we went from aggressive classical strings to... Stranger Things to a cliche to something that fits the quote unquote modern horror. Yeah, they they threw it all out and like it was another like okay, I get it moment where they're like we're creating this sort of dichotomy between like this sort of world and the world the way that the world actually is, but like just with poor choices. I'm spitting everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of liquid and anger. <laughs> And there was a lot of liquid in that film. A lot of like sauce. someone had a fetish, and they were portraying oh. it a lot in that film. Wait, the I'm gonna shit scene? Oh my fucking... god. That went on for so long. Yeah. So long. And it didn't accomplish its job of, like, creating a sense of discomfort, because it takes a lot to make poop serious. So, like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like... Okay, I'm being a child right now. I should not be laughing. This is a serious moment. I get it. She's uncomfortable. Everyone on the bus is uncomfortable. I'm supposed to be uncomfortable. But the way it's delivered is just like, I'm going to shit. I'm going to well, shit. It's because I've said, I've said that phrase that amount of times with that sense of urgency just for no reason, just sitting around at home to you. <laughs> Anthony, I'm going to shit. I'm going to sh- I'm going to shit. I'm going to shit. Just and like I got yucked out for like literally 1 second. I was like, "Oh, she's actually going to shit." And then it again over and over again, like repetition of this like non-issue is just like they're trying to force it to become something more than it is. And it's like, "Okay, uh, if you're trying to make us uncomfortable, just throwing this at us over and over again isn't going to make it stick the same way that Charlotte is doesn't speak Chinese and is trying to get the bus driver to stop. And so she just keeps saying, I, I need help. Does anybody speak English louder and louder? Like it doesn't, it's not going to change. I even said that. I was and like, it, yeah. saying it louder isn't going to help. And because I, I, I get annoyed with tourists thing. when they do that. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's an English thing and it's an American thing. Whenever I'm in France, I literally want to kill all English and American people because they just shout at people. And French people can understand what you're saying. They're mocking you by being like, they don't understand. <laughs> because they hate the fact that you are shouting slowly English at them, which they have learnt their whole lives for the sake of people like you, because you won't learn French. I mean, this, <laughs> is, this goes for every country, but sorry, I just have to stick up for mine. <laughs> no, I get it. Like, the only time I ever shout is at Anthony or on this <laughs> podcast. Or at Anthony on this podcast. Like, the only time I, I raise my voice is on this podcast, actually. Right? And so, at me. Imagine, like, kidding. doing that to I a stranger. It's my voice you ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a very condescending babe. <laughs> yeah, that is, that it's, is it's never shouting. <laughs> 
Goza goes with shouting, you go with shaming, whatever. I'm here for it. I'm living for it. <laughs> I'm still mad about this movie. I don't don't take this away from me. It was really like playing on my sympathies a lot. And it, it frustrated me because like after everything, uh, they, they spend all this time sort of like building up Charlotte as a character and like the the relationship between her and Lizzie and the, the school. It was like I almost got to the point where I cared about that. And they were trying so hard to make Charlotte a sympathetic character. But she the entire time had this vacant look on her eyes where she was acting from like the mouth down. And I just like. It worked for the beginning where she you were like, oh, this this woman is, is crazy and she's going to maim this woman when she does it for the entirety of the movie. Like, I don't I was like, I don't care about anything she's saying. I don't she doesn't come across as genuine at all over the course of this. And it threw all that character development out the window. And I genuinely got mad when they started getting into the culty stuff, like because with the the tattoos that they have about the the eighth notes and how that like those are the ones that are marked to be abused to be the ones that are the closest to god and i just remember thinking to myself like oh okay this is going to be a cult movie now i feel nothing the- if like if they had done a good job of creating a character development where that sense of vacancy stemmed from a traumatic past cool i'll take it but they didn't they didn't do the work this is the thing like i am a really empathetic person and like you can tell when i'm watching movies because i react a lot like i have a real problem with being like empathetic to everyone everything it's why i love animals so much like i'd actually had some warnings um before i watched this movie because it does have some mental health triggers in it yeah um which people who know me quite well thought that I would be affected by um so I'd like mentally prepared myself thinking this is probably going to get me emotionally and it touched on those triggers plenty of times and I felt absolutely nothing Mm. there was not one moment of that film where I was even slightly triggered even when it came down to things that like would normally trigger me in any film even if it was bad I felt absolutely nothing for any of the characters, any of the situations. So, like, even though I could see what was coming, so maybe it had less of an impact, then it it was more about I didn't believe the characters' reactions. I didn't believe them as abuse victims. I didn't believe them as traumatic. And even when you find out what's going on and why all this is happening, you still don't feel anything. And that's the biggest mistake you can make in any film. But it's, it's so down to their acting. And it also put me off because, um, what's her name, Alison uh, Williams. Williams. Uh, I liked her in Get Out, but I now realize, looking back, that that's because she's believable as that sort of like psychopath, like doesn't change emotion character because she yeah. can't act. It's not because she's because <laughs> she can't act. And Logan Browning, I loved her in um, Ned's Declassified School <laughs> Survival Guy. <guide. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I loved Logan Browning in uh, Dear White People. And that's I where I know that... her from. Oh yeah. man, it it's just hit me. She said that. I, I said well, that I just... we started. 
I was like <laughs> so zoned out because uh, you had mentioned like, oh, does has anybody watched Dear White People? And I was just like, huh, yeah. And then <laughs> it just hit me now. She is phenomenal. Yeah, that's the I'm thing. And ass. now I look back and I'm like, was it this? I mean, she's kind of the same character in a way, I guess. I, I thought her acting was better than everyone else's in this film. Yeah. Um, like uh, with the bugs. I, I believe the bug thing. I was like, okay, she's genuinely thinks that she has bugs. And to be honest, there was a moment in the film where I was like, this would be really cool if she's not imagining this and there are actually bugs. I just thought that would be really cool. That would have saved the film if there was actually these bugs that were like... Some level of actual grotesque body horror. But right. if there were actually bugs, then they would have had to shell more into the budget and not do the CG. You could just find bugs. The bugs are free, man. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. When the CGI bugs appeared, I was like... Yeah, you could have got plastic bugs from the 99 cents store, put them on elastic pieces of strings and made them dance, and it would have been more believable than the CGI bugs that they chose to use. The problem is, for me, the vomited bugs, uh, I saw that exact same CG pack used in The Sisters Brothers, which is a Western that I absolutely love. Um, <laughs> okay. And, but like, yeah. it took me out of the moment because it's the same bad CG. Hey, I know that bad vomit. Great. Yeah, exactly. I, I had, that's the exact moment I had of like, oh, this has definitely got to be a free pack because I've seen this before and recently and it had the same effect. That's too much. And to, to backpedal a little bit to, uh, Anna, what you were saying uh, about, uh, triggering content and, uh, the their reactions to them and I, I for I, I've never been uh, a victim of sexual assault but like but I it that still irks me like I can't watch movies with with sort of sexual assault and, and, and rape and it. It, it makes me so uncomfortable it's like the I think it's such a hard thing to portray well yes so like anyone who's not portraying it well like the perfection is just doing a disservice to people who have actually gone right. through that. People have gone through, you know, any kind of traumatic experience. If it's not portrayed well, then you're doing a disservice to your audience. And the, it's just, it's one of those, like, you say, like, the, that's something that I, I hear about uh, a lot in, in true crime, where people aren't, quote, reacting the way that they're supposed to be reacting under certain circumstances. But it's like, unless you've experienced that, you don't know how you're supposed to react. So for for all I know that, that maybe they are doing it correctly. I don't fucking know, but it just, it didn't, it didn't read like that. It read like they were trying to do something and just like not quite get, getting there. And there's that moment where they're having the back and forth where Charlotte is trying to tell Lizzie, like, Hey, remember this, like you've been brainwashed. And she says like, I, I got raped. You were raped. And it just like, it doesn't. That's the only time I actually thought it was slightly convincing. Yes. That, because that's a, a real conversation. conversation. Yeah. yeah. And that's a real conversation because like victims of trauma sometimes don't realize until way later in their life exactly what has happened to them because they go into a sense of denial or they go into memory lapses. And so <clears throat> later in your life, sometimes even with a therapist or something, they could be like, 
so this happened to you and you're like no 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 this isn't what happened and they're like no this is what happened to you and then it clicks so that moment i thought was good yeah but i but still like, didn't feel anything exactly. because it wasn't acted well i was like this is a really good piece of dialogue and you're ruining it by pretty much not doing Emoting. your job as an actor and looking into what it might be like to put yourself in the shoes of someone with this trauma and it, yeah. you're you're right it does it completely discredits people who go through these things to portray it in a bad way it's like um i spit on your grave i despise yeah. that movie because it's ridiculous the way that it's done everyone's like yeah but they get their own back no that's that doesn't help it's, it's, it's not- literally murder porn yeah exactly it's actually for people who think that's okay is entertainment. Yeah. I think we disagreed on this, but I felt like Last House on the Left yes. was good. I mm. the, no, no, like good. that moment or the film? The film felt like I feel like that did its job of making you realistically uncomfortable. Like I that's a trigger. I, I do I do agree with that. I do feel like actors have responsibilities to whatever they're actually trying to portray. They should look into what it's like to be in the person they're trying to act shoes to do it respectfully. Absolutely. I think it's all about, like, if you want your audience to connect, you have to convey something real. If you're not conveying something real and believable, then you're wasting it. Like, the perfection, as we've all just kind of admitted wasted any potential it had for something that could have been very real and hard-hitting yeah it's also got um i mean attempts at a um self-harm trigger as well um but that that the reason why they do it twice and the reason why well actually no, they do it three times because the first time that you see her hugging someone you see on her wrist yeah um and then you see twice her doing it in just random flashes no correspondence to the scene that they're being flashbacked in yeah um but also that they don't follow that up with anything she later then has no scars on herself for the rest of the film i didn't notice after that that one scene i noticed that the whole way through that they disappeared (laughs) after being there 10 minutes before they disappeared after the the scene that you were meant to see them um yes well they clearly were just done with them right (laughs) and um, and I'm fairly sure they were done CG as well, because if they oh, were done God. by makeup artists, then they were done by with lip liner. Um, <laughs> well, I do want to say though, I I did love Charlotte's makeup. I I don't know what it is. Oh, like beauty makeup. Just like her regular. Yeah. Oh yeah. Beauty I love, makeup. Great. I loved her eyes. I was like, wow. But like, why couldn't they just take that and, <laughs> and apply any sort of technique anywhere else in this fucking movie? <laughs> I mean, it was. It was just pointless trigger, though, to have in there, because... Shock yeah. for shock's were... sake, which yeah. is yeah. all we keep running into. Shock for shock's sake is, like, the downfall of horror. Um, it, if it doesn't have any substance or meaning, or it's not going to add anything to the film, we don't need to see, like, blood and guts and gore just for the sake of you trying to shock... Nothing shocks anyone anymore. There is no point and, uh... of putting it in there naked old man jump scare in this film for no reason again fuck the editor to springboard off of like another thing that is just like in this movie for no reason 
can can either of you tell me why her having worn a wig this whole time has any impact? It doesn't. I didn't even notice, did I? I was like, where did the hair go? <laughs> oh, don't care. Like I, it, it's it's very clear that she had gone through some sort of uh, treatment that that triggered her her memory relapse to remember all these things, and I, I guess the thought that like, oh, they had to shave her head to put the electrodes on her to give her the ECT, which I don't do. They still do that. I have no idea. Uh, anyway, um, so like. It occurred much more recently than maybe we were led to have thought, but like they don't make it seem like it was a long time ago during the movie either. And then so like she pulls her wig off and and her hair is short in like a buzz cut and it's played to be like some some sort of dramatic grand reveal. And I went, oh, well, oh, literally like in that sort of cadence, because I just like it, it didn't I. I'm going to reach here. And is it just like one step further to show Adrian and (laughs) Antoine, maybe Antoine to show that she is not perfect. Um, I think it's just them constantly trying to remind you out the film. Same with the, the self harm stuff. They're trying to be like, by the way, remember she's crazy. By the way, remember she's crazy. Remember she's traumatized. I think it, I think they're literally just trying to do anything they can to be like, this girl's traumatized. This girl's yep. a bit crazy. Uh, I was excited too, because this is the first one we recorded in a while that like I didn't have to do like tons of research for. Like I came in here cold. I got to watch the movie and then just say stuff about it. But now well, I do I, every wig. <laughs> every wig. But now like <laughs> I'm a broken man, <laughs> and it's because this movie was so lackluster in a million different ways. And the hype is what killed me, though. Hype always kills me. If people are going to come at me and be like, this is the best. And then I watch it and I find all of these flaws. There is one moment, though, that did make me very, very uncomfortable that I thought really conveys the disgust. Anton, by the way, is the name of the character. Okay. (laughs) Um, The disgust like of this old man. And that's when. He brings in the the new girl. Oh, that was a good scene for um she and he's saying to to Charlotte like uh if you mess up, she will pay the price in your place as in like we will uh, abuse her and he's standing behind her and he has his gross old man hands like on her and I was like don't I out loud I was saying like I couldn't help myself I was like don't you fucking touch her like get get your hands off of her and it's just like it that that worked super well. And like, it just like it didn't carry over into into anywhere else. And no, like, not even throughout the rest of his character. And like that that sweet girl, I even said like she got up because she is so so like the epitome of purity and innocence. Because she gets up and she thanks Charlotte. And she, thank thank you. It, it was it was wonderful. And I like I got a, I got teary eyed and I was like that perfect little angel. But like. It took me that long into this movie to have any sort of emotional reaction to anything. And like from from then on, it just goes downhill again. Also, who are I don't care about any of the other fucking characters in this movie. There's like six characters and none of them. have None of them matter. Paloma is is Anton's wife and she is not a character. No, it could have it could have been just like a butler. <laughs> Like a I don't silent think you even needed her. 
I, no. I don't right. think there yeah. was anything yeah, that saying. made her necessary apart from when she was she kind of made it clear that she was apparently one of the victims. Yeah, it was just like we didn't and really that, need even to that didn't matter either. Hmm? Oh, Scringus and Dingus. Yeah. Thieves oh yeah. Is... What was that all about? They're the other two rape dudes, Thieves rape and teachers. Joffrey. Jeffrey? Is something really called Joffrey? It's mm. Jeffrey, G G E O, but it's Joffrey. <laughs> but just like some old fucking man names, <laughs> and they were just like <laughs> henchmen for the sake of being henchmen, and it, you just have another. Taken those three actors out and given their salary to the special effects. That's what I would have done. 10 out of 10 would have loved that so much more. Or donated to like a fucking women's organization or something for for mental health or fucking something. I don't do something with that money. Anything better than giving three other people paychecks who contributed nothing to this film. They should have just taken all of the budget and just given it to charity. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't have made this film. You I just donated two million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check on the the budget for this thing. Oh, um. Not listen. It probably went on that dress she was wearing in the first scene. It's really hard to find budgets for like Netflix original films. They keep it so hard under wraps. We don't want to know how much of your money that we're wasting on this I mean, shit. Like, most Netflix original films have absolutely fuck all to do with Netflix anyway. Yeah. Um. I mean, as we all know from their TV shows, none of them are made by Netflix. Um. I mean, they're just licensed. Yeah, like a uh, Black Mirror. Black Mirror has existed here for over 10 years and they bought it off Channel 4 here and yeah. created it over there. I'm glad um, that people are still talking about it, though, because I, I loved Black Mirror like years and years ago, and now that it's accessible, it's um, I, I can actually talk to my friends about it. It's It's gone down in quality. but The first few episodes, uh, when it originally came out, like forever ago here um were really interesting because it just hadn't was stuff that hadn't been done before um yeah. and it was a lot of social commentary which wasn't as popular then mm-hmm. but then um everything's got social commentary in it now and nothing's shocking nothing's revealing we know what's wrong with the world and it's, you don't need these overly complicated and shock value things to tell us what's wrong with the world we were what if facebook controlled your life oh jokes on you it already does and we go oh no (laughs) um but (laughs) so all all of um lizzie's dialogue from the moment it's revealed that uh, she and charlotte had been collaborating at the end through the rest of the movie are like just so cookie cutter pieced together like Hey, wouldn't it be badass if she said this and they just pulled fucking words out of a hat? Again, just a different movie from the very beginning. And also, I don't know if I'm just like the cultural appropriation police or whatever, but did it bother either of you that Charlotte was the only one wearing sort of uh, a semi-traditional Chinese garment? I knew you were going to mention that. And everybody else was dressed very modern and modest. And it's just, like, a lot of it read as, like, white girl in China might as well try to fit in. And then she looks around, everybody's just dressed how they would at a recital here. I don't know. It, it bothered me for some weird reason. 
It bothers me that I can't wear a beautiful dress like that just because I'm white. Because of people thinking that it's not right for me to wear that dress. I may be those people, but it, it's it a was fucking pretty beautiful. Dress. Yeah. Exactly, and I would look right? good in yeah. that dress. <laughs> And um, I'm not allowed to wear it because of you. I don't. I don't know. I'm not, like I said. They didn't send me like a badge or anything. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I was so like, bland. should I be offended by this? Um, it didn't bother me from a cultural appropriation standpoint, but like you just said, like very, it very much reads as white girl in China out of place. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it, they were tr- another thing they were trying to just fucking hit home. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if they hadn't mentioned it didn't pay off. Before Shanghai and then shown her in that dress, I wouldn't have made any connection. Yeah. And um, like they already beat us over the head with like, I don't speak any Chinese. Okay, we get it. White girl in China, whatever. But none of it paid off. Well, everyone spoke English off. up until the one point where she said, "Does anyone here speak English?" Until it's a and problem. One guy on that bus did, but just didn't answer her for about five minutes. Well, and if went, somebody got oh, up on a bus wait, and was, like, friends? screaming... And then I'm not the first person the to be like... <laughs> so, that, that really annoyed me. I was like, this... And I, I really... It also kind of... Uh, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to make a point that Americans make shitty tourists, because... We sure do! Even when everyone on the bus was trying to help them, they were being really rude and shouting still. And I was like... Like, you know when... They got off the bus, and I was like, why are they being rude to him? But yeah, those people on the bus were, like, super supportive. Like, giving her the the, the mask and giving her bottles of water. And um, she gave the old woman came off and gave her, like, a handkerchief or something. I don't know what that was. Yeah, it was rags. On the road with, and he was like, oh, when we get to where we're going, we'll get someone to come back and, like, get you from the hospital. And she was just thing... like, fuck you. And it was no, like, no, she, she yelled, fuck you to Chinese Ron Jeremy. Well, yeah, but to be fair, if someone was throwing up bugs on your bus, would you not, for the protection of everyone else on the bus, get them off the bus? She wasn't I being leave very them understanding there. or accommodating, even when the guy was talking to him yeah. for that. So, you know, I'm not really on Ron Jeremy's side. Oh, you guys want to start wrapping up? I don't have anything yeah, else to say about this. I can't think of anything I... else. I can't think of anything else redeeming than the cinematography. I can't think of anything I hated more than the editing. And we've talked about everything that is just... I don't know. Are we being hypercritical because this is a film about imperfections? Are we picking on its imperfections? No, I wouldn't I'm read that I'm sure that was not that intent. Okay, because it was still bad. Hey, what if we made a bad movie called The Perfection? And then, so if they say anything bad about it, we go, gotcha. <laughs> like, what the fuck do you want from us? That was the whole directing standpoint. <laughs> so, like, this is the first time ever, like, I hit me in my DMs. Like, I if you have something to say about this that is positive, that I didn't touch on here... Fucking let let me know because I want to see the merit of this movie. Cause like I genuinely, like Mandy, feel like I wasted my time here. I'm only worse for having seen this. If you have anything redeeming to say about either the perfection or Mandy, then um yeah, DM Doza, because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um I, I, I don't want after this is over, I just I don't want to talk about this film again. Uh, I want to just go back to life, be blissful, pretend it was a traumatic event, and uh, be in denial that it exists. Yeah, we'll tuck this one in the the archive. And just yeah, we we touched on it, and now 
wash my hands of it. I think more than anything, this film provoked the fact that we have to do our Mandy episode. I'm going to shit. <laughs> Consider this your preview. <laughs> do you guys want your fear of the day? Yes, please. All right. Sorry. Fear of the day is a telephobia. Is it fair it's a te- classical tele- music? A-T-E-L-O-phobia. Is it the, the, the fear of classical music? No, it's not the fear of classical music. Is it music. the fear oh. of cellos? No, that would be a cellophobia. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Mm. Is it the fear of CGI? Because I have that. <laughs> ah, ah, Avatar. <laughs> um, is it the fear of failure? It's not not the fear of failure. It's the fear of being imperfect. So the fear of failure. Ah, I'm getting good. Uh, I'm sad now. <laughs> I think I have that. I take it we're not doing recommendations today. What are you talking uh, about? Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a podcast. We're doing recommendations. If we have to give our viewers the having to have watched this film, then we have to give them the service of watching something good. Uh, that's true. Okay. Uh, you guys give your recommendations while I look for my DVDs and try and find a recommendation. Okay. What if I just go twice, just in case we did do Murder Party? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's fine. So, I will watch any movie. I love just, like, flicking through uh, Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, just, like, looking for anything horror. Because I just want to try to absorb as much as I can and hope that there is a hidden gem. Uh, I don't feel like we can comment on it if we haven't, like seen things in this range of like what's current what's past where did it come from where is it gonna go absolutely and so i um i stumbled upon uh murder party which uh, i watched with Vinny, and Vinny hated it i liked it and Um, i hated it whoa um but it is it breaks my heart it's uh about a sort of uh, almost agoraphobic nerd who gets an invitation, well, finds an invitation to a uh, Halloween party called a murder party. Uh, he shows up, brings a dessert because his mom always told him to be polite. Uh, he makes a cardboard knight's armor as his costume. And then when he gets there, he finds out that it is a genuine murder party and that they are going to murder him. And, I had a a great time with it. Um, it has its drawbacks, but it's genuinely it's fun. It's a fun watch. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And you said you wanted to do another? Yes. So Just in case, because we may have recommended Murder Party. I don't know. We have like eight in the bank and however many we've already made. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to write that down. Uh, so I've been keeping up with Into the Dark, Hulu's... Uh, horror series i'm behind but i'm so in so um for uh april they did an april fool's day themed episode with i'm just fucking with you and it was excellent i the best one i've seen so far and so it's very stylistic uh like uh 80s sort of neon vibe your aesthetic yeah I, i loved it it was like very, very pink and blue neon, uh, the entirety of the film. Uh, but it does take place um, 
in in the present and it's about a a guy who checks into a motel uh for his ex's wedding and the hotel clerk is less than genuine and he has been playing like small pranks on him over the course of his stay following up with hey man i'm just fucking with you and it slowly escalates over the course of this film and it was just it was perfect i loved it i'm gonna recommend the i think it's a netflix original series but i'm watching it on netflix i'm currently in the middle of it i'm gonna recommend slasher god damn it okay it's no masterpiece by any means, but season one was a ton of fun. It's just like taking everything enjoyable about a slasher film and stretching it out over the course of eight episodes. So, like, yeah, this small town vigilante murder uh, for season one. And, like, I'm midway through season two. I'm not loving it as much as I enjoyed season one, but I'm still in. So, like... I don't know. Maybe I'll do like a public watch for season three if anybody wants to watch it with me. We'll watch you watch it. Watch it with me. <laughs> um, so I'm going to recommend something that is actually atmospheric um, and has a good soundtrack uh, consistently, um, which is a film called High Tension, which is also known as Switchblade Romance. Oh, um, good. Yeah. <clears throat> it was originally uh, released as High Tension or Haute Tension. Um, when it was released in France and then it was uh, released in England and uh, the US as Switchblade Romance. Um, so it's kind of predictable um, in the sense that, you know, if you've, if you've watched a lot of horror movies, you can kind of guess about halfway through the film the gist of what's happening. But um, it's very well done. And um, it was kind of before Plot twists were just a regular on every single horror movie. Uh, and it also gets um, like believable mental illness triggers correct. Um, it's a beautiful movie, atmospheric. And yeah, that, that's the way a film should be done. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike this film. All right, well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. Happy hauntings. I'm going to shit. <laughs> I'll see you in hell.